Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes, we are living in strange times, no doubt about that. But for some people, this time during lockdown has given them time to gain a little perspective into how life was before all of this. Many might be thinking that, you know, the crazy commute to work in a job they're not passionate about is now not for them. Or perhaps you're assessing whether you want to return to work at all. Neve Ennis was in her mid-40s in a good, pensionable permanent job when she started to feel that she was in a career and life that she wasn't sure she wanted. She was always someone who played it safe, followed the rules, but she made a fairly bold decision and found herself packing up her belongings, leaving her job, renting out her Dublin home and heading off to Spain. After suffering terrible bereavement in the years prior to heading off, she used the time to grieve and to realise that huge change was needed in her life. Today she's back in Ireland, living her best life, helping others implement change in their lives as a qualified transformation coach and mentor. I'm delighted to welcome Neve Ennis to 11 to 1 for Monday Motivation. How are you doing, Neve? Good morning, Sinead. That's quite an introduction. Well, listen, it's very deserving, that is for sure. Now, look, I'm going to go back to 2005 because this was a very difficult time for you, very challenging. You had a string of bereavements in 2005, isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, it it was. It was a very challenging time. Um, I was probably just under six months away from my wedding. I was in super wedding planning mode and my fiance very out of the blue just didn't feel well and we brought him into the um, A&E and literally within 10 days he'd been diagnosed and died with pancreatic cancer. So it was, you know, all very sudden, such a shock um, and, uh, and you know, just a, a life-changing event. Um, and then just four months, four short months later, my dad, who was my rock and uh, who I still miss every single day, um, he got unexpectedly very ill and uh, after a sh- very short illness, he died. And then a few short years later, my mum died um, again after a very short illness. So um, so I'd gone, I suppose, from a stage of just um, being, you know, getting on with life, planning for the future, like most others of my peers were doing at the time. And uh, with my small little family unit and then all of a sudden, all this loss, all this change happened and I was suddenly kind of really just left feeling quite alone in the world. Um, And so it was, it was a very, looking back now, I can see what a very peculiar, odd time it was. Yeah, because I mean, you know, I can't even begin to to wrap my head around, you know, the loss that you must have felt. Did it feel like, you know, you were being punished? You know, it's a lot of pain and suffering for, for one person. Yeah, I mean, actually, that's a really good point. Um, I mean, I think the first thing to say is that now with perspective of, of time, I mean, and it's something that I'm always at pains to point out, everybody, every single person experiences loss, bereavement, grief. 
what just was unusual for me was that it all came together at the same time. And so the fallout of that was that I actually, there were times I didn't even know who I was grieving for. You know, at times I felt I should have been grieving for my fiance and I was thinking about dad and thinking about mom when I should have been thinking about dad. So that was a real confusing time. But, but also I think, you know, certainly by the time I got to the third bereavement, I do remember thinking, you know, maybe this is just my lot. Maybe mm. I am one of these people that just good things don't happen to. And um, now, you know, I would have to say that I was always quite strong and quite resilient and always quite solutions focused and solutions oriented. So, I, you know, I know that that would have helped me through it. But in lots of ways, that probably helped me postpone the real grieving process or the real, um, you know, the real actually facing up to what had happened. And uh, and so you're right. I mean, I did feel that there was a slight bit of punishment, but I did also just feel this is my lot. Mm. And, you know, you, you, you went on then and you met someone new and you're very happily married. But in 2015, all of this kind of started to get in on you and you started to realise, hang on a minute, I am not living a life that was designed for me. What was going through your mind in the lead up to to making the decision to take a sabbatical from your job? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the important thing there is to to kind of remind ourselves that there are two types of change. There's the change that gets forced on us, such as loss or bereavement or illness or redundancy or divorce. Even this pandemic, this is a real example of the kind of change that we don't choose. It gets forced on us. The other type of change then is the change that we choose. So whether it's a new job, better health, new relationships, you know, stronger boundaries, whatever that looks like to you. And that's kind of where I came to around that period, 2015. I kind of felt so much change had happened to me. What could I do to maybe try and take back control and actually start to just, you know, take charge and make Mm. my own choices? Um, And so that coupled with the fact that around 2015, I think that's when the grief all came to a to a head for me. I think that was kind of my I equated to my sliding down the wall moment. Like, I think it just all culminated at that period. And I thought, you know what? I actually need to take some time out. I need to step back. I need to stop worrying about looking after other people and minding other people and just put myself first for a short period of time. And that's why I took the kind of almost drastic step to move to Spain, because I really felt I needed something completely different, completely new, so that I could take stock of where I was. Yeah, so you you go off to Spain and, you know, people have this romantic idea that, you know, oh, it's going to be this lovely life that I'm going to live in Spain and it's going to be warm all the time and I'll find myself like the big cliche. What what, what was it like? It was, I'm sure it was lovely leaving the rat race behind anyway. Yeah, no, that part of it was lovely, but, you you know, it was nowhere uh, as romantic or idyllic as you might imagine it would be. Now, I... I knew that beforehand. So it wasn't that I went and was disappointed. Mm. Like it, it literally, you know, it's very different when you're going to live in a country for a year than if you're going somewhere just for two weeks holidays. It's very, your mind, is, your mindset is totally different and your approach to it is very different. So I went with the, the view that this was just going to be time for me initially in the first couple of months, even just to slow down. 
Um, because I, I, you know, even then I was a big believer that until you slow down, until you kind of put on the brakes a little, then you can't expect for new ideas or new thoughts or, or you know, anything new to drop in. You need to slow down first. And I knew I was never going to be able to do that while I was chasing my tail here, you know, with the mm. busy career, the busy life, etc. So I just took myself, removed myself from it for a whole year and and I didn't find myself in Spain. I found myself when I came back from Spain. And I think that's the, that was my key lesson in the whole year. That, that year was about slowing down, but it was only when I came back I realised actually things really need to change. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of us, as you mentioned there, we, we, we're kind of in a forced slowing down scenario at the minute. Yeah. We have a lot of time with our thoughts. There's a lot of time. Now, that can be a good and a bad thing. I know an awful lot of people, you know, are experiencing challenging t- thing, times with their thoughts yeah. as well. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people might be assessing, you know, hang on a minute, like yourself, Neve, you know, running up and down, say, to Dublin every day, not seeing their children only for snatches of the day. Now they can see that actually I can work from home a bit. You know, people are assessing. So, you know, you, you're the transformation coach. You've helped so many people transform aspects of, of their lives. If there's people listening um, right now that are in the same scenario as you and kind of feel this is not the life that I wanted... What are the first steps? What could we be doing during this time where we have the time to think about what we want? Sure, sure. Well, look, it's the very first thing that I would say is is to not succumb to the pressure because I think there's so much noise out there at the moment about all the things you should be doing. And, you know, this is the time to train for your first marathon. This is the time to write your first screenplay. This is the time to learn a new language. You know, it's all, that's all rubbish. This is the time for you to really just tune in to what it is that you think you need, that you want. You know, turn turn out, turn away from all the noise, tune out of all the noise and ask yourself what feels right to you. Spend less time maybe on, on social media, maybe spend less time. Um, you know, many of us were addicted at the beginning of all this to hearing reports every 20 minutes, what's mm. happening now, what are the numbers? You know, so just reduce your exposure maybe to to triggers or to things that you know are making you feel worried and anxious. Just tune into yourself more. And I don't mean that to sound airy-fairy. I just mean, you know, not to succumb to the pressure all around you. Do what feels right for you. Yeah, because, you know, there's even pressure now to, you know, bake the best banana bread and things I like that. It. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is the stuff. But, you know, I actually read a really interesting article and it's tapping into an awful lot what you're saying there. It's all right not to be productive as well during this time, oh isn't it? For sure, it is. Because, you know, that whole succumbing to the pressure is so linked with guilt. And and there's a huge amount of, um, particularly on social media at the moment, it's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm watching everyone else in lockdown and they're getting so much done. And I'm sitting here like a cabbage all day. I haven't moved. I don't feel like moving. I'm tired. You know, so you, that's what I mean about you need to tune in to what it is that you feel that you're ready to do, able to do and want to do rather than just doing stuff to try and keep up with everybody else. Because there is a, there's a lot of guilt and there's mm. a lot of um, and that's all that's doing is adding layers to the worry that we're all already feeling. I mean, there isn't a person that isn't worried about where this pandemic is, is leading us to. When is it going to end? When are the restrictions going to be lifted? You know, will I get it? Will anyone I know get it? You know, so there's so much worry out there that we have to try and pull on our own resources and, and really tune into ourselves so that we can decide um, 
how we're going to come out of it. And another way that, that I kind of, that, you know, that I talk mm. to a lot of my clients about at the moment as well is this whole feeling of taking back the control. Because yes. we, we feel so much at the moment that everything is outside of our control and is happening to us. So one way to try and combat that is to think about things and ways that you can regain control for yourself. Um, and, and a great question to ask yourself, who do you want to become at the end mm. of this crisis? You know, when this is over, when things start, because we know it'll be very slow when yeah. we start to resume some sort of normality, who would you like to be at the end of that? Because we're all learning you know, what what matters to us, who matters to us, you know, who we're really missing, maybe who we're not missing mm. so much. You know, we're learning so much about ourselves and our place in the world and our place in our families and our place in our career. So it's to gather that information and keep asking yourself, who do I want to be at the end of this? Because that's a great way to project our mind. Oh, it definitely than, is. Yeah. And and it's yeah. a great it's a, it's a great thing to do to actually write it down as well is is a great a great way to to really yeah, actually okay. uncover that. So, yeah. you know, if you if you could go back um Neve because we often talk about this in Monday motivation. If you could go back in time and visit yourself as a child and you know all of the the hardship and suffering and bereavement that you have, you know, gone through. Um, now you can't change obviously any of that but you can mm-hmm. impart some words of wisdom to child you what would you yes. say to child you right right now okay I mean it's a great question I think I would say tell myself that it's not always about picking yourself up and fighting back it you know it's not always about being seen to be the survivor and the warrior and to be super resilient I think you know, we get so caught up in, in trying to be seen as being strong. And I would say to myself, don't don't fall into that trap. It's more important that you let the grief in, you accept what's happened or what's happening, and you just understand, you know, this is what I'd be telling myself, understand how this has changed you and then get clarity on who it is you want to come out of at the end of this. So it's not to be, not to let other people's opinions of you impact on you Mm. just you know come at it in your own way because like I I just feel there's so much um pressure in today's world about you know you need to be the survivor and be strong and be always be seen as capable I wasted so much time trying to pretend to so many people that I was doing fine that I was really well where actually I would have been much better off just letting the grief in at that stage yeah and I think an awful lot of people can take that on board in in their own lives that's that's for sure so finally, I find people who are successful living their best lives like you are, you know, you found your true calling and helping others, you know, um, you've got a very specific morning routine. Could you tell us about your morning routine? How do you set yourself up for the day? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big, big uh, fan and a big proponent of, of having a daily practice. And again, this is a perfect time in, in our life to be able to maybe start to develop a daily practice. Um, so for me, there's a couple of elements in it that, that are, are activities that I would do every single day. Um, and the first of those would be uh, journaling. I'm, I'm such a strong uh, advocate of journaling. I think the idea of sitting down with a blank page, even for five minutes or 10 minutes or however long you can dedicate to it each day and literally emptying out your head. I mean, mm. I, I say to people all the time that journaling is like a, a Marie Kondo for your mind. <laughs> Uh, yeah. organize 
your thoughts and it helps you, you know, it just helps you get, start to create space in your head so that maybe new ideas and new thoughts can come in. So journaling is something that that, that I would, and I, I have done since probably I was six or seven years of age, but it's something that if you haven't tried it, I think now would be a really good time to look at it. Oh yeah, um, it's the, a great one. Oh, it really is. Um, and then the other thing that I would do every morning is first, actually first thing every morning is when I, I get up, go to, I'm very lucky that I have a beautiful woods within uh, two kilometers of the house and it's literally just up the road. So I take the dog and I go and I walk in the woods every morning and that um, habit or that ritual of just being out in nature and um, and, you know, I don't allow myself of any radios or news or distractions. And I literally just would walk for 40 minutes every morning. And again, that's getting me moving and it's getting me into nature and getting me sort of into a more positive frame of mind in the morning. Then there are other activities like meditation um, you know, doing affirmations in the mm-hmm. morning. Um, it's so, you know, yoga practice or some kind of stretching or some kind of movement, you know, all of these things are ways of sort of just gently introducing you into the day, but they're, they're habits and activities and practices that are just for you. So it's not about jumping on the treadmill and, and pounding out 10 miles first thing in the morning. It's about gently allowing yourself to kind of ease yourself into the day, but in a way, in a very mindful way. Um, and even if you just did one of those practices, even if you were just able to do journaling, or if you like meditating, even to try five, 10 minutes of that. But I promise you, if you do that regularly, it, it really just starts to improve how you think about things and it improves your capacity for handling and managing things as well. Oh, it, so it definitely I, does. Yeah. And like, as you're saying there, just one of those will, will absolutely instantly boost the mood. Listen, Eve, sure. it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. Best of luck with the clients and thank you for being a great Monday Motivation today. Not at all. Thanks so much, Sinead. Thanks a million. NeveEnnis.com, by the way, if you want to find out more information about Neve and her work. And if you feel like you'd like some transformation in your life, that is the best place to contact her. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.